to Life Notes with Sheldon, where we talk about ways to get off the sidelines and back into the game of life as your best you. Good afternoon, friends, and thank you for joining me on Life Notes with Sheldon, where we talk about ways to get you off the sidelines, back into the game of life as your best self. And what better time to do this than on New Year's Eve here? What an exciting time of year this is as we wrap up the old and ring out the old and we ring in the new. What a great opportunity, as uh, Brad Paisley said. Tomorrow is the first blank page of a 365-page book. Write a good one. And friends, tomorrow you're going to have that first blank page of a 365-page book. What do you want to write in it? What do you want to fill the pages with? What chapters do you want to have? What tragedy will be in there? What sadness? What hope? What joy? What opportunity? What accomplishment? And it's very important that we take some time to consider that as we begin. You wouldn't just start writing a book, generally just start writing. You generally have an idea of what you wanted to write about and why. And get some main ideas and some headings and do some web diagrams possibly about capturing your ideas. And as we write a book, it's so important that we ask ourselves, what is our why? Why are we writing the book in the first place? Why have we gone through the effort to sit down and find that concentration and meditative state necessary to write and to compose? And as we write this wonderful book ahead of us, it's great to ask ourselves, what is our why? Why are we writing? And what do we want it to be? And why? Another quote I want to share with you is, The New Year stands before us like a chapter in a book waiting to be written by Melanie Beattie author of the uh, wonderful works on codependency, and her research in that has been uh, incredible for the field of psychology. I recommend her books. If you or someone you love struggles with uh, codependency and may not even know it. A lot of these quotes that I found on New Year's kind of center around a book. For example, we will open the book. Its pages are blank. We are going to put words on them ourselves. The book is called Opportunity, and its first chapter is New Year's Day by Edith Lovejoy Pierce and by Jonathan Huell, Celebrate Endings, for they precede new beginnings. Celebrate Endings, for they precede new beginnings. And one more because I just can't resist by Bill Watterson. A new year, a fresh, clean start. It's like having a big white sheet of paper to draw on. And so many of these metaphors and things lend themselves towards a blank page of a book. And friends, I'm so excited to be able to read your book, to see what you've written in it, this magnificent new chapter, and for some of you, maybe even a new book all together. And as you formulate your ideas and come to the realization of what your why is, and you have that main idea and that main purpose behind your book, I think the chapters will flow easier and the writing will come more naturally. Because the first step in life, the first great step, aside from taking our first step, is to find out our why. What's our reason behind everything we do? What's our motivation? What is that prime factor of faith in our life? What's that prime motivating force? What is our eternal 
why? And what is our why in each day? Why do we get up today? And right next to that question is to ask our what? Why did we get up today and what do we want to accomplish? Why did we go to school and learn and what do we want to accomplish? Why did we start a business and what do we want to accomplish? Why did we start a magnificent family? And what do we want to accomplish with that? Finding out our why, determining our what, and then beginning to write those pages and write those chapters of our magnificent book for which we begin tomorrow with a blank page with purpose, being purpose-driven in our writing. And in order to be purpose-driven in our writing, we have to review our why and review our what often and frequently and adjust as needed, as life circumstances will certainly cause us to have to adjust, to reevaluate, to reconsider, and to retune our why and our what and our how we're going to get there. I love having a new year. I love having a new opportunity. I love having a, a, to use a phrase my wife often uses, a stepping over the line, an ability and position to step over a line, to draw a line, as she would say. Let's draw a line. And she's so good at that. When we have argued or we've had a situation in our family or our work life or our personal life or things have just been particularly hard, she's so good to say, you know what, let's draw a line. Let's draw a line. Let's draw a line and walk across. And what a wonderful approach that is to life. Not that we don't deal with our problems, not that we don't reason through, not that we don't work through the obstacles, but that when we've done what we can, we're able to draw a line and walk past and walk forward. And friends, if you're in the midst of a conflict or struggle, worrying about what others think of you, or maybe you may have offended someone and they won't forgive and they won't move on, draw a line. Draw a line and you step over that line and you go forward. If you're caught in some kind of addiction or habit or going to that hole that we all go to, My good friend Gene Manns calls that a shame hole where we bury ourselves in shame and regret and we dispel our light and we muffle it and we try and smother it because we feel shameful. And when we feel shameful, the natural tendency is to hide, to want to hide from humanity, to want to hide from our loved ones because we've hurt them, we've disappointed them. And so somehow we think that by hiding in a shame hole, in a darkened shame hole, will somehow keep our light away from them and from harming ourselves or others. And so we bury our light and our goodness and our talent in these shame holds and we withhold from the world our magnificent capabilities, our magnificent ability to empathize and to grow and to share our light with others. We bury it in a shame hole if we allow ourselves to. So where is your shame hole? Where's that awful place you go to wallow in self-pity? Where's that place you go to vegetate in woe? Where's that place that you go to punish yourself when you feel like you deserve nothing more? And friends, knock down the door on that place. Put a manhole cover on that that's hard to get through. Step out of that hole. 
you're going to step back into it, but don't go crawling back in and burying yourself in it. So many of us do that. Do you do that? I know I've done that. Friends, the key to getting out of your shame hole is the magnificent principle and concept of grace. Grace that has been given so freely to us by our Creator. Grace that you can give to yourself, that He's given to you, and you can give to yourself. So many of us are so graceful in giving to those around us. We're forgiving, and we're patient with others. But with ourselves, we're cruel taskmasters, bestial in our demands. And some of us are just, quite frankly, psychotically cruel to ourselves. If we use some of the self-talk on others that we use in our own minds, telling ourselves how stupid we are, or how dumb we've done to make that mistake again, or how worthless we may be, or how we'll never amount up, do you ever talk that way to yourself when you're frustrated? Do you ever have that awful voice shouting horrible things in your mind and your heart? Well, shut that voice up. Don't let it go any further. When it starts to rear its ugly head and open its ugly awful mouth. Make it be quiet. Make that a habit. Because, friends, we can't afford to write this amazing book in a shame hole. It will be a depressing and dark and awful book, and we won't even be able to write because we cannot see the light in those places. So crawl out, come out, and then go running away from it. Learn that lesson of how you get in there, and then learn that lesson of why it's a horrible place to be, And then learn those ways to get out and to stay out. Because, friends, a shame hole is a horrible place to be and it's a horrible place to live. And it's a horrible place to drag others that we live. I've shared this poem, shared to me originally by my dear friend Jean Manns and a wonderful counselor and human being. She shared this with me in a dark time in my life where I felt I was going around this track of life and I fell into this hole. I get right around the track where I'm doing so good and I'm running and I can see the finish line of the chapter and darned if I don't fall into this hole. And it's a dark hole. It's hard to get out of. And why do I keep doing that? Why do I get on track and go? And then why do I end up in this hole? And she says, Sheldon, this reminds me of one of my favorite poems. Can I share it with you? And I said, yes. And she had a framed like wall-mounted one, just down from her desk. I don't know if she meant to put it up or or just had it there for remembrance, but she brought it, she lifted it up in her lap, and she said, I want you to read this. And I did, and friends, it was a pathway out of that shame hole. It was a pathway out of that dark place that I would go to bury myself when I didn't feel good enough, when I didn't feel worthy, when I didn't feel like my presence was worthy of the fine people around me because of my actions, my disappointments, my sins, my follies. And so I read this, and I want to read it to you today. It's a poem summing up life in five chapters, is how it's been described. And chapter one is, I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk, and I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes me a long time to get out. I walk down the same street. 
There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. And the glorious ending in Triumphant Chapter 5 is simply, I walk down another street. So to reviews those, walk down the street, there's a hole, fall in, helpless. Walk down the street, there's a hole, pretend I don't see it, fall in, helpless. Walk down the street, there's a deep hole, fall in, it's a habit. Now my eyes are open to the why. I know where I am, and now we admit it is my fault. We walk down the same street, we walk down the sidewalk, there's a hole, we walk around it. And then finally, if we can learn the lessons, the glorious lessons of life, one of the greatest lessons in life ever learned is taught to us in the New Testament by the disciples when Jesus says that one of you will betray me. And so many of them ask the words, Lord, is it I? Is it me? Here they are with the <laughs> the savior of the world, the one that they believe in most. And one of their greatest worries is that, is it me? Is it me? And one of the greatest questions that we can ask ourselves and one of the greatest realizations that we and so many never come to in this life, sadly, because it stints their progression, it halts them, it creates an ultimate tripping stone barrier to their progression and their growth, is so many people never realize that it is their fault. And you would think that realizing it is your fault would be a depressing realization. But in fact, it's not. It's a freeing realization. Because when you realize that it's your fault you are where you are, you can take control of that. You're not a victim anymore. It's not someone else doing this to you. It's not your boss making you hate your job. It's not your coworkers making you hate your job. It's you. It's your fault. You chose the job. You chose to sign up. You chose to stay there. You chose to get stuck there. You chose to stay in a place that you hate. And then you chose to complain and blame it on others and shift the blame. It's your glorious fault. And what a wonderful realization that is. You're overweight. You're out of shape. You never feel good. You're tired and you're grouchy. It's your fault. Why is it your fault? Because you led yourself to go there. No one stuffed the food in your face. No one set you down and make you eat high-carb, ridiculously oil-saturated foods and sugar, that awful, destructive, highly addictive substance that should be regulated by the FDA because of the damage it does to our minds and bodies and souls. Nobody forced you to do that. Nobody made you do that. Maybe you grew up in an environment where you didn't have a culture of exercise, of health. You didn't understand that an apple a day will keep the doctor away is more than just a catchy slogan, but a way of life. Maybe you didn't understand that. So, yeah, maybe that wasn't your fault. But making those decisions when you did understand some of the science behind it and sticking in those stressful situations that cause you to make you want to do it is your fault. Maybe you're in a relationship or a friendship and it's become toxic and you no longer find joy in that. And in fact, you find pain and suffering and anguish and worry and stress. But it's the other person's fault. They've caused it by their acts and their actions. They've caused it by what they've done. They've caused it by being grouchy, irritable, or unfair, or unjust. But friends, which way is it your fault? 
Did you choose to stay? Did you choose to allow? Did you choose to allow and develop a culture that allowed for others to abuse and take advantage of you? Did you choose to play the martyr and become the victim because you found a sense of control in that? Did you or have you? Perhaps. Now, there are situations beyond our control. There is abuse. There is tyranny. Tyranny is not just something that happens with world leaders and sick tyrants. Because, friends, we are some of the greatest tyrants around in our own lives. We can allow tyranny into our own home. We can certainly allow tyranny into our workplace. Tyranny consists when we view others as objects rather than the remarkable and valued human souls that they are. When people are simply pawns on a chessboard for us to move around for our own will, we become tyrannical leaders. When people become simply objects to be placed and replaced wherever we want them, we become tyrants. And when we become horrible, abusive people to ourselves by criticizing our own selves, we can become tyrants and allow tyranny into our own mind. And friends, tyranny is a dark path. It's a dark road. We've seen it through history countless times when it's allowed and sadly even embraced nation states who have been in great darkness and great trouble and great poverty often embrace a tyrant Because of the promise of hope, the promise of change, the promise of getting even and getting out with their enemies. And perhaps there's a time, though short-lived, where that change starts to happen. But then eventually, every time we see and we come to the horror and realization of what we've embraced in a tyrant. And what ultimately happens is our freedoms are taken away. And eventually... Everything that makes our lives good and made them exciting and made them what they are, the magic, is removed. Tyranny takes the magic out of life. Tyranny takes the magic out of the soul. Tyranny crushes the spirit and it crushes freedom because in doing so, that's where it gains its power. So friends, if you find tyranny, if you have it in your own life, you have it in any organization, don't tolerate it because it spreads until it's eventually embraced and it causes the cultural decay and death of any civilization or organization or church or school or office or family or personal life or relationship to where it's allowed. It's a vicious, horrible illness that must be avoided at all costs. And friends, sometimes we're tyrants to ourselves when we allow what ails us to destroy us. When we allow substances within us, whether it be overuse of caffeine or sugar or fatty foods or daytime television or nighttime television or apps or social media or the news or whatever it is that we're allowing to run through our veins like a poison and destroy our peace. And friends, if I could have one blessing given to you, one blessing for this new year. It would be mercifully and kindly that you may come to the realization that where you are, that what you may despise, that what may be causing you grief and pain is your fault in a large portion or in some portion. Because when you 
realize that and take responsibility and ownership of that, you'll start to have a pathway, a glorious lighted pathway of stairs, illuminatory Jacob's ladder that you'll climb rung by rung to get out of that shame hole that you've been living in, that you've been going to, to pull yourself out step by step, rung by rung is the way we go through eternity. It's the way we progress, little by little, here a step, there a step, piece by piece, wisdom by wisdom, grace by grace. And that first step of realizing where any situation we don't like is our fault is that pathway to freedom, because then it's placed in our hands and we have the choice. We have the choice. No longer are we the tyranny and victim of our tyrant, whatever it is or whoever it is, but we have a choice to be free. And at that point, it's our choice. What will we choose? Friends, choose freedom. We live in one of the greatest lands ever. It's a land experiencing great challenge right now, but it still experiences a great degree of freedom because those who gave so much, even all, to make it that way. And in a land of great freedom and liberty, isn't it ironic that so many of us enslave ourselves with awful habits, actions, viewpoints, and shame holes. But let's embrace the glorious freedom that we have to be and to become and to realize our dreams and aspirations. And let's take some time and consider that glorious blank page that you have before you, that new chapter, perhaps that new book that you get to write. And friends, take the pen with purpose and begin again to capture the wonder of your dream of your vision, of what can become your reality if you'll take those steps. Take those important steps to make it so. And friends, I hope that in a year, roughly 365 days from now, we'll be able to share our book with each other and that it will be a book that will have chapters of which we'll be proud because it will be honest. We'll recognize our struggle and our weakness And we'll write that in, but we'll also write how we approached the obstacle and how we went through the obstacle instead of ducking and hiding and going around as we so often do, because we realize that why we're facing the obstacle is partially and perhaps quite a bit our own fault. And that gave us the freedom and the strength and the power and the realization to change and to finally go down another street. Friends, I hope you'll follow that uh, wonderful counsel in the poem. Realize how it's your fault. Realize you've fallen in the hole. Stop denying that it's not a habit. Stop denying that it may be out of control, that you're stuck, and now it's a habit. But realize how you got there, because only then can we realize how to get out. And then walk down another sidewalk so that you don't go anywhere near that old hole. I appreciate you. I love you. I know we can do this. Can't wait to read your book. Can't wait to see what it brings. Friends, have a happy new year. Have a peaceful new year. And give thanks for the many blessings that we have. You may not have time to give thanks for all because you wouldn't do anything else for a number of days. But give thanks for those things that you love and treasure and then protect them and help others to do the same. 
And at all costs, protect your peace and have a peaceful new year. been listening to Life Notes with Sheldon. Listen every week for a brand new note on life. We hope that we have given you a way to get off the sidelines and back into the game of life as your best you.